I, I've actually looked all the way through you now. I'm now looking at the wall behind you. Okay, I hate I hate to use the the cheesy ACLS videos as a reference, but the they are the worst. Oh, they man. are the worst. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to the EM Over Easy podcast. Um, uh, Drew and I are joined this morning with two special guests. We are here morning. with uh, Jeff Comp. Jeff, say hey to everybody. Hi, guys. He's the peanut gallery. Thanks He's the peanut gallery, on. and uh, he'll be. I'm sure he'll have something fun to say towards the end of the podcast, or just during it, actually. Um, and then we have Cameron Hansen here with us from the ED Crash Cart um, podcast. Um, one of our one of our great nurses in our emergency department. Cameron, wants to say hey, everybody. Hello, hello. And before we get to the the depth of the conversation today, which I think I'm really excited about this podcast. Um, this is actually take two. Um, Cameron and I actually recorded this with some other people the, uh, a couple weeks ago, but one of the members of the podcast spoke directly away from his mic whenever he was referred to. So there were... Hashtag fail. There were uh, multiple 30-second episodes of whisperings in the background, and you nothing's really communicable. So well, we're doing it again today. But before we get started, I kind of want to have our lead-in be... Um, you know, we're all guys, you know, you know, I guess I don't know if we're... You don't know that. Well, yeah, not... <laughs> this this kids, week, I Kids, kids, no kids, but pretty sure Jeff's a dude. Uh, you I, don't know that. <laughs> um, and uh, so I kind of want to talk about what's the most embarrassing movie you have watched with your significant other that you'll admit to. Oh, my gosh. God, what oh, isn't man. the most embarrassing movie I've watched with my wife? What, I, if I, I'm, what if I'm not embarrassed? Well, that, that's fair enough, fair enough. That might go back to Drew's original comment. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so, I, I, my wife and I were sitting down yesterday, we were watching the Cubs game, um, and we were talking about things that we could uh, like add, add, add pepper to, to, our, to our conversations, and she said, well, talk about the most embarrassing movie you've ever watched with me. And I was like, and so she made me, had me make a list. And so... Ooh. Um, and she made the list for me, and then I got to pick, she's like, well, these have got to be embarrassing for you. She just started writing down... And uh, the one that kind of came up to me is that, that I am kind of a sucker for Jane Austen books. My wife reads them, and we've, we've read a couple together. She's an excellent author. She's Why wouldn't actress, she be? She's an excellent author. You know, um, Wait, you are educated? Yeah. Whoa. I know, contrary to popular belief. And I didn't start, actually start reading book books until I was like, I don't know, 25? Um, but I've kind of caught up. I sort of, you know, so, so Pride and Prejudice. Um, uh, the the kids. And Zombies. No, the, the best follow-up. I haven't seen that one yet. My wife, it's on our list, but um, the Pride and Prejudice Cure Nightly movie is probably the one that's most embarrassing. It's embarrassing because I, I watch it with her, and then and whenever she's at, and when, whenever she's out of town, it's the one movie that I watch because it reminds me of my wife. It's a movie. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> We're taking this wait. way too far. You watch this by so, yourself. So now the questions change. We're gonna it need. Has, the, we, we need the man card. I don't, Hand I don't it over. Think, I, I think. <laughs> I think now we have to talk about. The follow-up, then, Andy, is what's the one that you're embarrassed to watch with your significant other? And then what's the one that you don't tell anyone that you're embarrassed to watch by yourself? Because those are two separate and very interesting questions. Mine are probably the same answer, so okay, right, I'm done. Okay. Um, I don't watch girly chick flicks without my wife. The other day I was working on administrative things and I saw that uh, Black Hawk Down was on Whoa. and I watched that and it was the greatest two hours of my day. That's what I do when my wife and kid are at school and work. Um, so if you can't, since you can't see what's going on, Drew is giving me the most judgmental look think I've ever gotten. Judgiest eyes. I, I, I've actually looked all the way through you now. I'm now looking at the wall behind you. Uh, as far as movies with my wife go, um, 
We have a uh, Christmas tradition, a holiday tradition. Uh, we are a mixed family, so a holiday tradition of a, watching The Holiday, actually. Oh, Very good movie. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. Jack Black. Yeah. Great. Which Great is a fantastic movie. movie. And then um, probably our newer one uh, that has become kind of the movie that we watch that is on my iPad and we watch every time we're on an airplane, just the two of us, is uh, Sunny Day in Paris. Um, which is kind of a cool movie. Mm. I, uh, or sorry, not Sunday. Midnight in Paris. Midnight. Okay. okay. Wow. Sorry, right. completely wrong. Um, and and then uh, to get uh, a little man card back from all that, my wife is actually a huge fan of the uh, sappy baseball movies. So you know ah, we. There you go. For the love Feel of the, the game. Dream, uh, nice. Feel the dreams. Oh, so those kind of not not the girly baseball movies, like the legit. Like they, you know, they got a little girly. They got a little yeah. Awesomeness. This is a, a back back like love story. Yeah. So kind there's of a, there's a little back and forth. So I feel like I uh, I get for, a little, re- little for him, little for her. That's right. I get a little redemption. Nice. With that kind of stuff. Nice. Okay, so um, I just watched How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days two days ago. So that's probably a good one. Yeah, that's actually a that's, solid uh, I, but, classic, romantic but, but rom-com. Say, but, but I'll say... That's old school, man. This is this is me saying this. I was super sick, and I, I told Ken's, I was like, you know what? This is going to sound really silly. I think we should just find some, like, dumb, mindless rom-com. I suggested Hitch. I suggested Just Friends. And we settled on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. My, my question for you is, do you remember when those movies came out? Yeah, I remember going and seeing some of those in in theaters. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, did you still have a pacifier in your mouth? Oh. Was it? Drew, I turned thirty yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah, I did have a pacifier. <laughs> and and when I get to be your age, I'll, I'll be able to I'll be able to remember stuff like when we created writing and, and and when calculators came out and and. When we no longer washed our clothes in a basin outside. Right, yeah, exactly. The, the exactly. Texas Instrument 82 was yeah. amazing, right. okay? <laughs> right. The TI-1. That's, that's, yeah, well, that's, that was, yeah, that's, that was how far back, uh, yeah. All right, so Cameron, you're up. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that my my wife is pretty pretty geeky like I am. Like she'd rather sit around and watch like a Lord of the Rings trilogy marathon than she would like a rom com or something. Um, our our kind of like holiday tradition is love actually. Oh, oh solid nice. movie, solid very movie. solid. Yeah. Solid movie, nice. Yeah, I would say that's probably number two in our holiday movie yeah. list. Yeah, it, it gets watched most years also. It's hard to beat the who's who of all the best English actors. Oh in yeah, right. absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah. It's the British romantic comedy. No, it's exactly. Just, it, it, takes, yeah. it takes your heart away. And they're actually sometimes better than Americans at making those movies. So, all right. So now that that's out of the way, now that we got the I don't have any man cards left in my pocket, um, we can talk about what we came here to talk about today. So, Cameron, we wanted to talk a little bit about nursing communication. Um, one thing that's on your podcast, um, the ED Crash Cart, is you talk a lot about nurse education um, and, how, you know, why should you be an ED nurse? How are some things you can get through being an ED nurse? What are some of the, but from our perspective, we wanted to talk a little bit about how do you deal with um, physicians? Um, you know, because we understand that we come from different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, we're taught different languages when, yeah. in terms of medical care. Um, whether we like it or not, in some way, shape, or form, we're almost pitted against each other with the way that we're taught how to deal with situations. And, and so we wanted to kind of get some of your insight um, into what are maybe the three uh, most common or um, what are, the, what are the three most common situations where there's a breakdown in communication, and what are some things that you've seen where physicians and nurses have kind of risen above those sure. to, to not have it sacrifice patient care? Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you um, first talked to me about doing this podcast a couple weeks ago, and this was the topic, kind of I talked with some of my peers and said, hey, I'm going to go on the, the podcast, 
Do you guys have any insight, any particular situations, scenarios you want me to talk about? Um, and amongst like the compiled list versus my brainstorm list, it really boiled down to exactly what you said. When you kind of drill down into what the, what the communication breakdown is, um, I think a lot of it is due to the fact that we are, there is that divide between physicians and nursing staff and, and healthcare is almost set up to, to push that as it is right now. Um, there, there is an obvious depth and breadth of knowledge difference between what's taught in nursing school versus what's taught in med school. Um, and I, I think even, even from like all the way from the, you know, the auditioning med student through an attending, um, that can kind of set up a little bit of a power divide between physicians and nursing staff. The, I know more than you, um, you, you don't even understand where I'm coming from. Um, and then couple that with the fact that neither profession, you know, at least from the nursing perspective, I haven't looked at any, um, you know, syllabus from a, from a physician's um, standpoint from med school, but we don't get a class entitled, you know, how to make a physician's life easier 101. And I can uh, say we, we, we don't no. get that. In right. No. We, we know enough about what the other the other side of the coin does that we can, you know, play nice, nice with each other. But we don't know enough about the details or the minutia of each person's job to really effectively work together in some of those cases. Now, I think the ED is a different environment in that we, you know, getting to work side by side, um, you know, a, a significant portion of the day. It's not a, not an issue where I'm calling you at home at three o'clock in the morning like a floor nurse may have to deal with. So it's, it's less of an issue for us, but the divide is still there. Uh, I think we do have a little bit more of a, a team atmosphere where we work, though. Um, so that being said, the, the three kind of overall um, situations that kind of um, prevailed, the first one being, you know, we all kind of got into emergency medicine because, you know, we like the variety. We all have varying degrees of ADHD. And, uh, <laughs> that is a spectrum. Um, and then we all like the, you know, the critical and crashing patient, the, the active resuscitations. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that really highlights an area where communication can make or break the situation. Um, if you polled 100 physicians and 100 nurses and said, you know, tell me about your, your, the best resuscitation you've ever been a part of and the worst resuscitation you've ever been a part of, I did not actually poll anybody, but I'm going to assume that the majority of people, the, the biggest difference between that best and worst is a communication issue. Absolutely. When you have the, the example that I used when we previously recorded this, and I'm going to use again, um, was when I think, I think you were a second year, Andy, and this was, um, this was a pre-hospital arrest. And, you know, a couple of us had already stepped in the room. We were in there just kind of chatting and talking and preparing for the patient to arrive. And this was before we had our, our critical patient team process that we have now that kind of helps predefine some of those roles and responsibilities for nursing and ancillary staff. Um, you came in the room and you said, hey guys, you know, I'm gonna be leading this. If you have questions, direct them towards me. You know, who's gonna be charting? Who's gonna be doing this? And you kind of, you went around the room, you kind of knew what everyone was doing. You kind of assigned some extra tasks. I had a, a student with me at the time who was or doing her preceptorship in the ED. And then luckily we, we've hired her since then. Um, but you even got her involved, and it just made for a very smooth resuscitation. When the patient hit the bay, you know, there was uh, that first minute or two where there was some decent amount of communication going on, a little bit loud, but then everything kind of calmed down. It was nice and quiet, and everyone, when, when the outcome, you know, good or bad, 
everyone looks around there and goes, wow, that was you know really well done. And I think we've all been a part of the, the opposite extreme where you either... Where you pull the screen back and there's a lot of yelling and chaos and people don't know yep. what they're doing. and Yeah, one person yeah. may say they're the code lead and then you have four other people who are shouting out things that need to be done that right. may be contradicting the code lead. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I unfortunately, I mean, 99% of the time, the code lead is going to be a physician. And I think it really kind of falls on their shoulders to be able to set both the, the kind of volume tone as well as the mental tone of the, the entire resuscitation and um, when, when it's not done like that and communication just becomes a cluster I think that's when people leave that code go oh my gosh what the heck just happened um, and, and even with the critical patient team process now there's still some times where that that still happens um, where, where that code lead may come in and and may not um, effectively communicate and I hate I hate to use the the cheesy ACLS videos as a reference, but the, they are the worst. Oh, they right. are the worst. <laughs> but closed loop communication that is, exactly. is right. critical in those types of situations. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Cameron, I love that you brought this up first. Um, this is one of my favorite things is the resuscitation bay and the resuscitation bay dynamics. Um, for, forget actually the patient care aspect of it, right. but the dynamics of the room, the patient care is, is something totally separate. So there's kind of three sets of volumes that you can have in there. And, and, and I want to get your take on it. There is, Two ends of the spectrum, which are bad. There's the nothing being said, right. and nobody knows what's going on. The opposite end of that spectrum is a lot being said, and nobody knows what's going on. Right. Right. And then my favorite code, and, and what I try to exude, is not a lot being said, because everybody is doing what they're supposed to do, and there's some small corrections, and then there's just very clear, short communication, like, right. code check in 30 seconds, give me a countdown, we're going to push at B. Then nothing yep. else gets said until somebody starts that actual 30-second countdown. And there's somebody watching the clock, and we all know what our rules and, and communications are. I know personally, I probably don't, I don't want to say I don't say enough. I don't, I'm a minimalist when it comes to talking during right. a critical patient scenario. And I want to get your take on what is the proper amount of communication. I mean, I, I don't want to say that I nail it because I think sometimes maybe I don't say enough in the room. Certainly there's people that say too much. Obviously, sure. we want to avoid the, the ends of the spectrum where <laughs> right. nothing is going on in, in a proper right. way. Yeah. Minimalist is fantastic if you are comfortable that the code lead is competent. If, if you look apart, you know, across the room. So that's where I go it. wrong, right? <laughs> uh, no, that's where you go right. <laughs> They're like, Drew is at the foot of the bed. Get somebody else in here. Right. 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 Bring the lefty. <laughs> oh, no. So I, th I think that you brought up an important thing that's something that I didn't, um, it, w it was a value me before I was in medical school. So um, for those that haven't listened before, I was a tech. Um, and when you work as a tech in the ED, when a code comes in, you basically have one job. And that is to do chest compressions. Like that's, yep. um, at the shop where I worked at, um, you, you fought with security on who got to do chest compressions. That was basically, you know, those, are, those, are, those were our two jobs. We argued back and forth that security was going to do it. Um, and I remember being in codes and having somebody come in and just yell and be very cavalier and be angry and... You know, if you weren't doing something right, they would they would call you out in front of everybody and pull you out. And it was just a very kind of almost like a hostile, hostile environment. environment. Yeah. Um, but then we had a couple docs that literally would do what, what I've kind of adopted and what I feel works better is they made you own your job. Yeah. yeah. And that's where before the patient came in, if you have time, sometimes you don't. But you just said, Jeff, you're going to be on the chest today. So you're in charge of doing compressions with the other. these other three people. And you guys are right. going to rotate every minute to two minutes. And that's your job. 
and 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 you make them own their own their job to where they're they're responsible for something and then if they're not doing it right they feel empowered to tell you one that hey there's something wrong right, right. Um, and then two it also gives them empowerment to just do it and not feel like they have to keep checking in with you um, and so that was something that um, and that was again as an intern you see um, you go up to the floor and sometimes codes don't run very well in that department things aren't done very well and so it's just one of those closed loop communication again the the corny ACLS word but yep. um, empowering people to do a specific job gives them the ability to where you don't have to have either end of the spectrum you can have the appropriate amount of right. I need you to push this medicine they tell you they pushed it hey the line's not working maybe we need a new one um, and it allows the code lead from a code lead standpoint to really focus on the, the 50,000 foot view stuff sure. which is why is this person in this rhythm why are they not responding right. um, really the stuff that really should make a, make a code go well um, down the road so and, you know and beyond the, the minimalist approach kind of that happy medium I, I really like it when when whoever's code lead is kind of almost thinking out loud. It doesn't have to be you know complete you know verbal diarrhea of any sort, but but having you know you know kind of just verbally going through the H's and T's and and getting some you know group communication feedback. Hey, what do we think about this? What do you think about that? Um, I think those tend to lead to pretty good ones, unless it's just purely recess, you know re reciting the H's and T's for the sake of it and not actually critically thinking through why um, the those ones beyond the minimalist minimalist ones, um, I think, are also well run. So, so I had the the very limited experience I have um, from running codes. The one that I did, I feel like Cameron, I I did a little bit more of that second one you were talking about, where I was yeah. kind of going through and I was saying, okay, well, we've we've given Epi, you know, we've we've right. gone through, we've, we're working on this, we have Echo on the chest, you know, we're we're trying to figure out all these different things, and I felt like the people that were in the room with me were then more uh, they felt more willing willing to sort of say hey you know yeah you're right we, we did try this but what if, what if we do this or what if we try this and I, I think sure. that was helpful well yeah. and have everyone on the same page with what direction we're going is right. important yeah. right. uh, so and that's where maybe sometimes I don't say enough uh, during code situations because you'll get that kind of confused look and someone will go well I'm not really sure where we're going or why why how did you come to that point in your decision-making process right. And the internal dialogue has gone on, but maybe it hasn't gone outward. And that's because I like a very quiet code. Um, I, I, I do, do not like chaos. I do not like things getting out of hand, which I think brings me to my next question, which is when things are getting out of hand, when the code is a little bit chaotic or the critical patient scenario is a little bit chaotic and the control isn't going on, from a nursing standpoint, what do you view as the best way to get that hard reset? Kind because sometimes that. you need that. You need, yeah. you need, and I know uh, some of the more recent ones I've done, I don't know if it's the appropriate approach or not, but I kind of raise my voice, not yelling, but like, you know, a, a loud, hey, everyone, or everybody stop. Let's reset here. What, what do we need to Get everyone to focus on though. you and then go, yeah. here's what we actually need to do. Yep. No, I think, that, I think that's exactly what you need to do. And it tends to either come from one of two places. Either the person sitting in the corner, trying to record the whole event who can't hear what's going on because there's a million different voices and they don't want to miss anything in the events of the resuscitation or typically from the code lead. And I think as long as it comes from one of those two places, other people in the room kind of respect that, oh, this is, this is not the place and time for, you know, having the conversation about, you know, the Cubs and games last night. And, but this may be, you know, the time when we actually need to focus on what's going on and hear our next steps. Um, you know, I, I think what we are talking about when, with you know, the min minimalist point of view and the kind of talking things out loud are also kind of, again, that spectrum of learning as well. Whereas, you know, Jeff's in, you know, you're a PGY2 now, two, right? Yeah. 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 I'm, still, I'm still, still, still a little one. 
um, where that's kind of a natural progression. Whereas you know, being a you know chief over here, um, obviously having seen a few more of these, you have a little bit more of your own personal style as to how you do it. And I think that's an appropriate transition of of the way you lead. Yeah, and to be totally honest, I mean, you bring up a really good point. I, I don't know how my style is going to change as I become maybe a little bit more confident right. when I'm yeah. able to say, you know. I've gone through these things in my head, and I'm comfortable that we've yeah. gone through these steps. Let's maybe, move on to the next yeah, exactly. one. Exactly. Maybe things don't need to be sort of rehashed and re, re, uh, reverbalized yeah, exactly. every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. EM Over Easy, Episode 25, Nursing Communication, Part 1. Be sure to stay with us for future episodes, including two great sit-downs with both Kevin Clower and Salim Rezai, as well as the follow-up to this episode, Nursing Communication, Part 2. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at EM Over Easy. And subscribe to us on SoundCloud as well as the iTunes Store. Until next time, guys. Thanks so much.